We've all had the experience in macro photography where we've been taking pictures of something, but the depth of field that we're getting is just so shallow that it's just not showing off the subject like we want it to. And you've probably tried stopping down really far on your lens or other things, but it's just you're just not getting to the where you want to be. On this episode of the Macro Photo Show, we're going to be exploring focus stacking which is one method of overcoming this limited depth of field. My name is Mark Lawrence and I am your host. I would love to hear your feedback on this episode and if you think that I got this correct or incorrect. So go ahead and come over to the website, macrophotoshow.com. There's a form right at the bottom of the front page where you can leave me a message or you can go over to the Facebook group, the Macro Photo Show group, and just join that. It's a growing group. And all you need to know, you need to be able to answer one question. Who is the host of the show? And that's me, Mark, Mark Lawrence. I'd love to hear your thoughts on focus stacking and what you do in your photography. So first of all, why is the depth of field so shallow in macro photography? Well, there's two main things that affect the depth of field. One is how close you are to the minimum focus distance of your lens. So the closer you are to your subject, the shallower that depth of field is going to be. And then also is the aperture of your lens. So the more wide open the aperture, the shallower the depth of field, the more stopped down your aperture, the smaller the opening is, the more your depth of field is gonna be. But you can only compensate for as close as we are in macro photography so much with your f-stop. Even if you stop your lens down all the way, you're only getting just a little bit more depth of field. Sometimes it's enough, but a lot of the times it's, it's not. And you start running into something called diffraction once you get stopped down to a certain point. And basically, that's just the way the light is reflecting inside of your lens. And it causes some softness, a little bit of blurriness in your photograph when you get stopped way too far down. Generally, you want to stay in the sweet spot of your lens, which on most lenses is somewhere between f8 and f11, you know, somewhere around there. And that's usually where you get the sharpest images. Focus stacking is one approach to overcoming this limited depth of field in not only macro photography, but in other types of photography as well. Landscape photographers use focus stacking all the time because they have a foreground element that they want in focus, but they also want those mountains that are miles and miles away to be in focus. And so they'll take two, sometimes three images and blend the most in focus parts of each image together to get one image that is continually in focus from nearest to farthest. And so it's not unique to macro photography. It's just, we tend to stack a lot more images. So what is focus stacking? Focus stacking is a software solution to the hardware limitations of your camera to overcome the depth of field issue of being close to or at the minimum focus distance of your lens. So basically we progressively take images that get a little bit further away from you or closer to you, depending on if you're starting far, far away or closer to you, where you're gonna have multiple images that will have a slice of that subject in focus. Then you move your camera a little bit and another slice, another slice, another slice, and then you take those into a piece of software and it combines the sharpest part of each image together so that it comes out with one image 
that is in focus from front to back. So from this software, you can gain a larger depth of field by combining these images. And it's a tool in your toolbox to get that creative expression and capture those images that you want to want to capture. Now, do you have to use focus stacking? No, you don't. You know, a lot of people can use selective focus to really emphasize one part of their subject or just one little thing in the entire picture. Portrait photographers use selective focus all the time to set their subject apart from the background. They get that bokeh in the background, which is just out of focus, you know, just like we get from macro photography on a much uh, shallower depth of field. Okay, so now I'm going to cover the process that you go through when you're capturing the images for a focus stacked image. Basically, you have decided that your depth of field is not going to be deep enough to capture what you want to capture. And so you're going to adjust your lens to the way that you want, you know, you get your f-stop and your whole exposure triangle the way you want. And then you're going to start at one end of the object or your subject, and you're going to take a picture. Let's say, for an example, your depth of field is one millimeter deep. And you're trying to take a picture of something that, that is a centimeter. So 10 millimeters in a centimeter. I would actually want to take about 20 images at least here because you want to have overlap between your images. So I would start at one end at the closest to me. I would move forward a little bit, take another picture, move forward just a little bit, take another picture. I would just repeat that so that your focal plane moves through the subject that you're taking pictures of. That will help you to capture enough slices that when you take it into the software, it will have at least one image where each part of the subject is in focus. And that's really important because if you don't capture a portion of the the subject in focus, then you're going to have what's called a failed stack. And that's where your software is going to try to put things together, but it's going to say, well, this part right here in the middle, I don't have anything that's in focus. So you're going to have everything in focus and then you're going to have a slice that's out of focus and then you know, more that's in focus. So that's one of the things I ran into when I first started trying to learn how to focus stack. I had several failed stacks because I tried to not overshoot. I tried to get away with 10 images when I should have shot 15 or 15 when I should have shot 40 or, you know, <laughs> plan to shoot a lot more than you think you will need, particularly if you're doing this handheld um, because you're, there's just so many variables in, you know, how much you're moving forward and backward and you think you have overlap, but you might not have overlap. And it is really a steep learning curve. At least it was for me when I was trying to, to do this the first time. I, uh, I got really, really frustrated trying to learn how to focus stack because it was, I kept having slices that were out of focus. And so some of you are probably thinking, well, why aren't you just turning the focus ring instead of trying to move the camera forward and backward? And that's because of a, a factor that's called focus breathing. And what that is, it's something that affects macro photography a lot more than other types of photography because we're at the minimum focus distance of our lenses in order to get the maximum magnification from them. And so as you turn your focus ring, it changes the magnification of your lens. So you can go from a one-to-one -one magnification at the very closest focal distance. And then you focus just a little bit further away, but your magnification goes from one-to-one -to, -one to slightly less than one-to-one. -one. And so it's, you're going to be adding additional around the edges of your image on that second picture. And then you turn it just a little bit more and you add just a little bit more around the edges. 
And depending on your lens and the mechanics in it and how quickly your magnification changes with with turning that focus ring, some images will be almost completely useless. I was trying to focus that focus stack a picture of a thistle that was it was a foggy day and it has some hoarfrost that had formed on it and it was a really cool looking you know it was really cool looking this thistle with all this hoarfrost and the fog and the the I positioned it so the sun was going to be blurry in the background but you could definitely tell that it was the sun shining through the fog and it was really I mean I just thought it was just the coolest picture but instead of moving my camera forward and backward I use the focus ring and I just can't use that picture. I will post a picture of that on the website so you can see what it looks like after it was focus stacked and you can see how much of it because of how quickly this particular lens, which was a 15 millimeter super wide lens. So that's why I personally prefer the method of getting the amount of magnification that I want from my macro lens and then physically moving my camera forward and backward is because focus breathing some lenses just it affects a lot more than others and try your lens see how much it affects it but you never know it might work it might not but on on that lens of mine definitely not so your your mileage may vary depending on the inner workings of your particular lens you know that's something i would really be interested in hearing about is if you focus act by moving your camera forward and backward or if you use the focus ring um or if you've never focus stacked before that you know, it would be interesting to know as well, just because, um, you know, different people like to use different methods. Okay, the other decision that you need to make besides whether you're going to physically move the camera forward and backwards, or if you're going to use the focus ring, the other thing is you need to decide if you're going to hand hold, or if you're going to get something called a focus rail. Now, hand holding is very approachable. It's something you don't need any additional equipment to do. Um, and you can get good results by hand holding if you take a lot of pictures. I think that when I hand hold, I have to really overshoot the, the scene just to make sure that I don't miss any slices in it. Uh, I, I tend to take a lot more pictures that way. I try to keep the focus on my subject. I, I kind of cheat and I use the focusing square in my, my viewfinder where it, Normally, that's where the autofocus would focus on, but I always do this with manual focus just because I don't want it to be hunting all over to try and get focus. And I try to put that that uh, focus square on a part of the subject that I'm shooting that I can easily find and line up. And then as I'm moving the camera forward and backward, I try to keep that square on the same part of my subject and it helps me to have the camera wander less around because when you're doing macro photography you move your lens even a millimeter and it makes a huge difference in the placement of your subject within the frame and so that really helps in later steps when uh, we're trying to line up all the all the slices you heard me mention um, a product called a focus rail they come in two varieties they come in manual focus rails and in automatic focus rails and basically what a focus rail is, it hooks onto your tripod and your camera mounts onto the focus rail. And it's got some knobs on the side where it has a measurements and it's got a knob that will move your camera forward and backward along a linear plane. So it moves it closer to a subject or further away from a subject. And it's got the measurement just like a ruler on the side. So you can say, okay, I'm gonna move, you know, I, I decided that I want to move it about half a millimeter 
every time you look at how it's marked on the side and you say, okay, that means I need, need to turn this until it gets to about where I want it. And then you take another frame and you turn it and you take another frame and you turn it and take, take another frame. It's a very methodical method of approaching focus stacking. And they can be very inexpensive or very expensive depending on the brand and everything that you get. Mine is yeah, kind of in the middle. It was not super expensive, um, but it's also not the very top of the line out there either. Um, it has doesn't have a whole lot of play in it. That's something I would look out for. You don't want to have one that has very much play in the knobs or anything because you want this to be a precision tool that you're using to help you get this, this focus stacking done. The other variety is the electronic automated type where basically what you do is you say, okay, I want you to start here and then you adjust it so that you're at the other end of where you want it to finish. And you, and then you say, I want you to take 40 pictures in between here and there. And it will move precision, it's hooked up to your camera, so it will do this all for you. It'll move it exactly 1 40th of the distance if, if you say 40 pictures, or 1 100th of the distance if you say take 100 pictures. And then it will tell your camera to take a picture. Then it'll move and you'll tell your camera to take a picture. And it repeats that for the number of exposures that you have told it to do. And so, you know, that's a nice way to go if you can afford one. They're kind of pricey. Um, but for people who are doing a lot of focus stacking, um, some people really like them and say they're totally worth it. I've never had the opportunity to, to use one, but, uh, you know, it's something I wouldn't mind renting maybe in the future and checking it out to see if it's something that I think would be worth investing in. So those are kind of your options as far as capturing the images, doing it manually and handheld, or you can get super fancy and, and use electronic focus rails or manual focus rails like I use. I would handhold to capture the focus stacks if I were outside taking pictures of anything that was moving, whether it be plants that are moving in the breeze or trying to focus stack an insect very quickly, because anything that's moving, I mean, if it moves those legs, then they're going to be in a completely different spot and then you start getting into trying to blend in other portions of the image and, and things like that which are very you get into a lot more a lot more difficulty when you're trying to focus stack living objects that are not holding still so for example i took a picture of this dehydrated raspberry on my kitchen table and i used a focus rail because i just couldn't get enough of it in in focus without doing focus stacking. You know, because it's something that's not moving, the focus rail made it really easy just to kind of keep everything all lined up and, and everything. And so I just moved it forward a little bit and it worked really well. Had I tried to have an actor in that scene, an insect crawling on it or something like that, I would have had to work much more quickly. And so a focus rail is good for precision, not really good for speed. Handheld is really good for speed, but not as good for precision. So it, you just have to kind of go with that trade-off. The other thing is you want to make sure that your lighting is fairly consistent throughout because otherwise you're going to have most of your subject in one light, and then you'll have a slice of your subject that's lit brighter or darker than the rest of it, and it'll look kind of funny. Um, it'll be in focus, but it'll it'll just be a different lighting. So you want to keep your lighting nice and consistent, whether you're using um, artificial light inside or you're out in the in the sunlight. If you're focus stacking in the 
a cloud goes in front of the sun, well, then your light has changed and you either need to restart your stack or wait for that cloud to pass, one of the two. That way your, your lighting won't change halfway through your subject. Once you have taken all the images for your focus stack, it's really pretty straightforward to process these images. You just open them up in whatever raw processor you're, you're using. And you know, I use Lightroom. So I just open them up in Lightroom and I make sure that either I don't process them at all before I stack them together and then just edit the TIFF image that I export at the end. Or I make sure that they're all edited identically. I'll edit just one and then sync all the rest of them so that they have identical editing. And this also goes into the same reason as keeping your lighting consistent, because if you edit some one way and some another way, your subject is going to look different partway through the subject and it'll look really weird. So make sure that if you edit before, you sync them all so that it's all edited consistently or just export it into a format like a TIFF file that you can process just like a raw file and, and have those good dynamic edits. And then, so for actually stacking, there are three main software solutions that people use for this. Uh, one, the most popular and accessible one is Photoshop. And that's just because a lot of people have, they own and use Photoshop. And so that is a, a subscription program. So some, some people don't like it and they want something that they can just buy outright. Um, and so you can go with either of these other two. Um, Helicon is another one. And you can either do a yearly subscription or you can do a lifetime license on that one. And it really depends on, and there's a few different levels, you get different things with each level. Uh, yearly subscription runs between 30 and $65. And then the lifetime license costs between 115 and $240, depending on the level. And that's as of uh, February of 2020 uh, when I'm recording this. Then the other option is Zering Stacker. They do not have a subscription. It's only purchases outright. And again, they have different levels of, of things that you get with, you know, different things you purchase. So it runs between about $90 to about $300, depending on the level of the software that you get. And so those three are the main three software solutions for assembling these stacks. And so you get them all taken care of in your raw processor, and then you're going to import them into your stacker of choice. Um, since I have Photoshop, I'll just run, walk you through basically how you do that. So in Lightroom, you select all the images that you're going to process together, and then you right click on it and you say, open as layers in Photoshop. And then in Photoshop, it'll import them all and it'll have all the layers listed on the right hand side over there in your, your layers panel. Okay, now this next part is important. You wanna make sure that you have all of the layers selected before you go to this next part, but then you, click on edit, and you're going to go down to auto align layers. So when you go into auto align layers, you're gonna get a lot of options. I like to just leave it on auto because it's going to have to reposition and slightly change the size of some of these images in order to get them all to line up so that they're all stacked nice and exact for the processing of them. So when you get in, into the auto align layers panel there, there's a lot of different uh, projection options. I like to just leave it on auto. Auto lets it determine, you know, if it needs to resize a layer slightly or, um, you know, to compensate for different things. 
And I, I tend to get really good results with that. With lens correction, um, I usually just leave both of those clicked, the vignette removal and the geometric distortions. And I like the results that I get with that. Some people might like that and some people might not like that. And that's totally up to you and your preferences. All right, so then it's gonna process those layers. And it's gonna just kind of shift them around. It's gonna think and you know it's gonna take a little bit. And once it gets them all lined up, you're gonna go back up to edit. Again, making sure that you haven't deselected any of the layers. And you're gonna go down to auto blend layers. Now, if you've done panoramas in the past, this is the exact same panel that you use for combining panoramas in Photoshop. Now, instead of going panorama, you'll click on the radio button. This is stack images. And then um, you have two options at the bottom, seamless tones and colors. I like to keep that checked. And content-aware filled transparent areas. I also like to keep that one checked. Not everybody does. Again, your photographs, your decisions of, on which things you keep checked and, and not. Try both ways. See what you like, and you know you can make your, your decision on what you what you do and don't like with this. Um, and so that's basically the way that you blend the layers in at least in Photoshop. I haven't been able to use the other two um, mainstream programs out there, the Zarin Stacker or the Helicon Stack. But I will put links to both of those websites so you can review them. They both have free trials. I'm not sponsored by either of them, so this is not an ad. I'm just letting you know of the alternate methods, the alternate programs out there. A lot of people really like those two um, software packages, and I, at some point, really do want to review both of them. I just haven't had time yet. So once it's done merging those layers, you're, you're gonna have an additional layer at the top of your stack of layers that's a merged image. And then what I usually do is I just flatten the, the layers and I export as a uh, TIFF file. I like exporting as TIFF files just because they're very similar to RAW files where you, you can edit them in the same way. There's, you're, they're not lossy like JPEG files um, and they're just really good. And so since I can't export as a RAW file, I export as a TIFF file. And so that's the way that I usually go through and, and do a focus stack. Hopefully I've been able to shed some light on the subject of focus stacking for you. And I would really like to hear feedback if you thought I did a really good job. If you still have more questions or anything, just go ahead and and ask in the in the Facebook group or on the front page of the website, or you can give me a call. 435-277-0263. I have had some people have some problems with that number, but other people have been able to get through. So I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with it. So if you have any troubles with calling, then just go ahead and, and leave a message on the, on the website or through the Facebook group, and I will be happy to answer any questions that I can. Um, again, my name is Mark Lawrence, and I really thank you for listening to this show, and I hope that you have a really great time taking pictures for focus stacking, and I'd love to see um, some of the, the results that you have. Um, thank you, and I'll talk to you in another seven days. Goodbye.